He lives. This is all for you, Lord. We are here for you. So, Father, as we open your word to us, Lord, may it be truth and life. May it resurrect, Lord, what is dead in us. May it burn up whatever is sinful in us. But, Lord, may we see Christ this morning as we have borne witness, Lord, in our song and prayer and in the baptism. Lord, we have borne witness to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Because, Lord, in a world that is departing from your ways with alarming speed, we see that Jesus Christ is still king and his gospel is still true. So, Lord, prepare our hearts and our ears and our minds to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please do take your seats, church. And can I invite you to open at Matthew 28? We are going to continue in our faithfulness series. We're looking at a few characters, and some of them carry God's faithfulness to us through the gospel stories, and others carry unfaithfulness to us as well. But today we have a good one. We have a good one today because we've baptized Simona into the life of Christ. She's born witness. And today our faithfulness series brings us to the scandal of the resurrection. Faithfulness in the face of scandal. The women at the tomb. I think there's a slide, Carl, for this one. The women at the tomb. Good, that's okay. So we're going to read Matthew 28, 1 to 10. And church, we've heard this loads of times, but this really is a scandal. Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, he has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples, and suddenly... Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. 
Twice it says, do not be afraid. It is the most joyous and humbling thing to be part of a baptism service, to share in this moment in someone's life. But it's also the most daring, scandalous thing to be baptized. Because you're saying, Simona, and all baptized believers are saying that their allegiance is not with the world, but with Christ. And that's really important to remember this. It's a switching of allegiance now. Because it is impossible, as Jesus said, to serve two masters. Now, as I've said, church, be praying for Simona in the coming days, weeks, and months. This is a spiritual battle for the heart of people, of human beings, and specifically today of Simona. Because if you are a Christian, if you've been baptized and you've lived long enough, you will know that the Christian life, specifically following baptism, is a declaration of war. We should all be wearing our tin hats, not our tin foil hats, our tin hats. Because it's a declaration of war. Your allegiance has changed. And there's an enemy that is opposed who is now angry. But he's on a leash. Remember that. He's always on a leash. So, Simona, as we've discussed in the, in the past few weeks, you belong to Jesus Christ. You have died with him. You have been raised with him. He is yours and you are his. And all God's people said, Amen. This is the best thing that you can do right now, what you've just done. But the next best thing is the rest of your life, which is to abide in him. As, John says, as Jesus says in John 15, abide in me and I in you. Trust Christ by knowing him, by walking with him, by remaining in him and with him. So walk by faith. That's all Christianity is, walking by faith, not by sight. Walking by faith because ultimately it is by grace that you have been saved. It is by grace that we have been saved. This is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. And all God's people said, Amen. Also, keep yourself in the Word of God as well. This is God's revealed Word for us, for all of life, for all of faith. Nothing is missed out that we do not need. It has everything that we need. It is sufficient. St. Jerome in the 4th century, so 1,600 years ago, said, Ignorance of the Scriptures is ignorance of Christ. Therefore, read the Word. Church, read the word, because the word is sufficient for the knowledge of God and the life of faith in Christ. Many of you will have read over the years A.W. Tozer, Aidan Wilson Tozer. He was one of the first authors that I read when I became a Christian, absolutely electrifying. He said, I am a Bible Christian, and if an archangel with a wing spread as broad as a constellation shining like the sun, were to come and offer me some new truth, I'd ask him for a reference. 
If he could not show me where he found it in the Bible, I'd ask him to leave saying, oh, I'm awfully sorry, you didn't bring any references with you. And it's in this way, 2 Timothy 2.26 says, this is how you avoid the snare of the devil, by remaining in Christ, by being in the word. That is to say, you avoid the snare of the devil by resisting everything that is opposed to the purposes, the will, the love of God. I'll eventually stop looking at you in a moment, so don't worry. So the main thing to say before we come to these heroic women that went to the tomb is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be given to you. Everybody has a priority and the Christian is called to make Christ that priority. Right. So it's fitting that Simona got baptized today. She's a courageous woman. We've heard a tiny fragment of her life story today. The women that went to the tomb at the after the resurrection were utterly heroic in faithfulness. I find it funny that men are often accused of not being able to find things, and yet it's two women that go to the tomb and they've lost Jesus. Steady, I know, I know. Now, Mary Magdalene is one named prostitute who had multiple demons. Jesus delivered her. And the other Mary, which is Jesus' mother, went to the tomb. It cannot be overstated how courageous this was for them to do this. To go to this guarded tomb, guarded by two Roman soldiers. They were the last to leave the cross and they were the first to go to the tomb. Because to be crucified in the first century is to be scandalized. Absolutely scandalized. Some people never recovered from this. Not the crucifixion, but the allegiance to the person crucified. Now, in the Roman world, crucifixion was reserved mostly for slaves, foreigners, and lower classes of people. And Cicero, who died 43 years before Christ, said the very mention of crucifixion is unworthy of a Roman citizen and a free man. The very mention of crucifixion is unworthy of a Roman. They knew what they were talking about. It's unworthy of them to do that. Romans were disgusted. They were scandalized by anybody who was crucified. And so we come to another Roman called Quintilian from the first century who said, I think this is on here as well, whenever we crucify the guilty, the most crowded roads are chosen where most people can see and be moved by this fear. For penalties relate not so much to retribution as to their exemplary effect. This is the contemporary of Jesus and of Paul 
And so to associate with a crucified person was to share in their shame. And we have echoes now of Philippians 2 and the hymn to Christ. For Christ bore the shame. And even to be a participant in their crime by attending to a crucified victim possibly meant your own crucifixion too. These women were courageous. They were courageous. Now, even the fact that they're named, well, two Marys, is really significant in, Mark, in Matthew's Gospel, as we've read. This alone is a potential life-threatening danger. Now, contrast this with the story of Jesus' arrest uh, in Gethsemane, in Mark's Gospel. We find three unnamed figures. Check it out at some point. You probably recall it anyway. There are three anonymous figures in Mark's account of the arrest of Jesus. There's the man who cut off someone's ear. He's unnamed in Mark. There's this poor guy who had his ear cut off. He's also unnamed. And then there's the guy that ran away naked in fear and trembling because of the guards that arrested Jesus. He is also unnamed. It was only when John wrote his gospel account many years later when all three of these characters were safely dead that they were named. Peter is the enthusiastic swordsman. <laughs> Malthus is the poor slave guy who had his ears cut off, well, his ear cut off by Peter. And the guy that ran away naked is Mark. And John names them later. Why? Presumably to keep their anonymity for their own safety until they were dead. But Matthew names the two women. Astonishing. So if this is the case, how remarkable it is for these two women to be last at the cross and first at the tomb. A powerful demonstration of faithfulness to Christ, whatever may come. This is the key thing. Whatever may come, faithfulness to Christ is the thing. Because for many, many, many people, even around the world today, following Christ means being faithful to him despite significant personal risk. Significant personal risk. And there are people in this church gathering this very morning who know exactly what I'm talking about in regard to the personal risk. Because it was the male disciples who were locked away in fear, John 20 verse 19 tells us. It was the women who first broke the Easter, Easter Day news, saying, Jesus has risen just as he said. There's no doubt that the women were afraid. Twice it says in this passage, do not be afraid. Always be assured, when you hear those words, do not be afraid, there's a lot of fear going on. But they never, never, never let the fear paralyze them. They pressed on because they believed Christ. The late rabbi Jonathan Sachs, marvelous man, he said, through fear, we mug 
our aspirations. Don't let fear mug your newly baptized aspirations, right? I wonder how much we have collectively lost in our own aspirations in life because of fear. We could slightly adapt this rabbi's line and say, through fear, we also mug God's aspirations for us. So it was a scandal for the women to be at the cross and at the tomb. It was a scandal for Jesus to let women be the first witnesses. Their testimony, as we know, didn't even count in court. But the gospel elevates their witness and shows off their courage to be the first witnesses of the resurrection. So baptism is the entry point of saying no to fear and yes to faith. No to fear and yes to Christ. A bold yes that requires the innocence of a dove, but the heart of a lion, right? The heart of a lion. Someone said, courage is faith that has said its prayers. So be a woman of prayer. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. Now maybe there are someone here who is hiding away like the disciples were hiding. In fear. Hiding from God. Maybe like Thomas you would be saying, unless I put my hands in his side and my fingers in his wound, I won't believe. Maybe you need to hear the courage of these two women. Because fair enough, the fear is real, right? But one way or the other, the risen Christ demands, calls, commands, and expects and invites your response your response, and even if the door is locked, it'll come through the wall if necessary. Even if you're walking to your Emmaus in fear and trembling and desolation and disillusionment and failure and despondency and all those things, and then suddenly Christ walks alongside you, shattering the myth that death has the final word. Because it doesn't have the final word. Life has the final word. And Jesus makes this invitation, this demand, because he requests your company. Because he loves you and he likes you. Just look around at a few people near you. Just look around. Don't be shy, come on. He likes the person near you. Like is a strong word. Jesus requests your company. He simply wants your repentant heart to be handed over so that he can give you a new one. Praise God. I'm going to finish with reading Galatians 2, verse 20. This is for all of us. I have been crucified with Christ... And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Father, let the truth and the beauty of your word sink into our hearts, Lord. May it bear fruit for the kingdom. We are your joyful, happy people, and we praise the name of the resurrected Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.